Hi, this is Nick Forster. This week in E-Town, we're going to revisit a show from our 2001 season, featuring two very special guests and two great interviews, too. And that show starts right now. From the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town with this week's guests. From Austin, Texas, Red House recording artist Eliza Gilkison. From Peacemaker, Mr. Fleet Mall. And from Philadelphia, Blue Thumb recording artist Leon Redbone. Right now, here's your host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town where we get together every week, listen to some great live music, talk about the world around us. I say that every week, you know, talk about the world around us. And the world around us is changing in a big way. And, uh, you know, one of the things we can do at a time like this is look at history, except, you know, we tend to measure history in terms of wars and uh, calamities of one kind or another. And there's another way that we have a rich cultural musical history. And uh, it's often either overlooked or underappreciated, partly because... I think either people don't remember these kinds of songs or they weren't recorded or they weren't popular. But we are going to start out this week by getting a little American history lesson. We're going to go back and listen to some of the tunes from the 1920s and the 1930s. Here to take us on that journey is a man who has done more to keep that music alive and well than just about anybody else. He knows his stuff and he's going to give it to you now. Please welcome to E-Town world traveler, blue thumb recording artist, Mr. Leon Redbone. Charlie, I'm gone Well, she called the next day Told me the same thing on the telephone She said, I'm gone, I'm gone Crime won't make me stay Yeah, crime won't make me stay Sitting around here look a million miles away. Ooh, what you gonna do? Ooh, what you gonna do? Gonna wait and leave as I've been to you. Sometimes one drink make me act like a doggone fool. Sometimes one drink make me act like a doggone fool. We had two, three drinks and I kicked like a Georgia mule. Thank you. 
a sing-along number <laughs> and I enjoyed your singing very much <laughs> here's a favorite of Al Bernard the minstrel man that everybody remembers Nighttime down in Dixie Cause then I get my banjo on my arm Make my way to little old log cabin Through the cotton fields to the one who's full of charms My stars play peekaboo I'll serenade my loot When Dixie stars are playing peekaboo for to see my Lindy Lou Oh, Miss Al started hooting Before I commenced to tooting Pretty fireflies, they light up my way I can hear the bobwhite whistle in the wildwood Where the turtle doves so gently cooing to In that loving land of cotton Everything but love's forgotten When Dixie stars are playing See my Lindy Lou Oh Lord Oh Miss Al started hooting Before I commenced to tooting But if fireflies They light up my way I can hear the bobwhite Whistle in the wildwood Where the turtle doves So gently cooing to In that loving land of cotton Everything but love's forgotten When Dixie stars are playing Peekaboo
Hi, hello. Um, I was wondering, Leon, if, if there was in fact a uh, particular song that appealed to you, especially when you were a young person. You were a young person one time. And was, there a single, was there a single song that kind of jumped out at you at any point? Well, there's all kinds of things. There's operatic tunes, uh, arias, you know, I like those. Beautiful singing. Caruso and that sort of thing. But that's probably not what you meant, is it? No, 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 that's the thing. I mean, uh, you didn't obviously become an opera singer. Nothing against your singing. I'm sure you could have. Had you started a long, long time ago? I was great friends with... Uh, Caruso? With, no, no. <laughs> No, no, Veluti, the castrato. <laughs> <clears throat> Makes me a little nervous, I guess. Um, he was a wonderful singer. Really? I don't, I'm not familiar with his singing, but I'm sure it was great. You, um, you mentioned when you introduced that last song, you talked about the guy being a good minstrel guy. Al Bernard, yes. Al Bernard, yeah. yeah. So minstrel shows, what do you, you know, most of us don't have a sense of what a minstrel show was like. Maybe you can... Help us understand what those things were. They're just the entertainment of the time, which was probably about 1840 to 1930. And it was a variety show, lots of different people. Well, manner of speaking, it was mostly the, the main thing about a minstrel show was, of course, it put the cork on, you know, blackface mostly. Not all the time, but uh, a lot of the skits and so forth. And it kind of gave way to, uh, to what, to vaudeville shows? or It gave way to uh, variety shows, uh, vaudeville, and, of course, uh, movie theater and so yeah. forth. Just killed everything. <laughs> <clears throat> and then television, you know. So. Yeah, forget about that. Yeah, exactly. And in some cases, these are pretty happy songs for hard times, don't you think? Some of the songs that you've chosen and some of the happy songs... Happy songs for hard times? Well, they, they could be, yeah, yeah. See how much time do we have? Too little time for happy songs, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, I, I also wonder in, in your path that you've chosen because I think it's been a, it's been a, at least uh, certainly more than 25 years since, since the first time I saw you play. Um, I play I, once every 25 years, yeah. whether I like it or not. <laughs> And I wonder, as I think about all the stuff that's happened between now and then, whether any of that is important to you. You had a gold record. You were on a bunch of Saturday Night Live shows. You were Johnny Carson's favorite entertainer. You did the This Bud's For You commercial. You had TV theme songs and uh, the Far Side cartoon about you. I mean, does any of that stuff mean anything to you? Or? It's just a passing of time. <laughs> It's a pleasure having you here. I really enjoy your sound. We tried for a long time. It's been a long time coming in our mind anyway. Well, thank you. Yeah. And uh, it looks like you're bringing out a new device of some kind. Well, the dancing girls couldn't make it, so I thought I'd bring, I thought I'd bring a little orchestra with me. And uh, it's a 10-piece band. <laughs> well, I will, uh, I'll, I'll leave you to your own uh, amusements here. Devices, yeah. yeah. 
And uh, once again, welcome back. His first visit to E10, Mr. Leon Redbone. Leon Redbone. His latest CD out on Blue Thumb Records is called Anytime. Leon Redbone, he'll be back in the second half of the show. We'll be back with more as we revisit this show from our 2001 season after a short break. 
This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town. Leon Redbone's going to be back with more in the second half of the show. And coming up, Mr. Fleet Mall from the organization Peacemakers is here, as well as Eliza Gilkison, one of our favorite singers from down in Texas. All that's coming up. But first, I want to tell you that it's time for the E-Achievement Award, something we do every week to honor an outstanding volunteer, somebody who took the time and the initiative to make their hometowns or neighborhoods or other places a little stronger in some way. The award is made possible by a grant from the folks at Whole Foods Market. And here comes Helen Forster to tell you about this week's winner. Thanks, Nick. We received this week's story from listener Tempra Board of uh, Denver, Colorado. She listens to E-Town on KUNC out of Greeley, and she's nominated Stuart Conway of Fort Collins. Tempra writes, Stuart is the co-founder of Trees, Water, and People, a nonprofit organization that is helping the poorest of the poor in both rural and urban areas of Central America to protect and replant their forests. Stuart also has introduced a fuel-efficient cook stove in these areas, which uses far less wood than the traditional stoves used by most families in Central America. Use of these stoves also dramatically reduces respiratory problems in each household. I hope you will recognize Stuart with an Achievement Award for helping to improve the environment and quality of life for our neighbors to the south. Signed, Tempra Board. And Nick, we tracked Stuart down. He's actually here in E-Town in person this week to tell us more about all this. So please welcome this week's winner, Stuart Conway. How are you, Stuart? Oh, good. Good. Very good. Uh, so this had to begin somewhere. What made you get started planting trees in Central America? Oh, well, I first started uh, planting trees down in Guatemala when I was in uh, Peace Corps back in the mid-'80s, starting uh, working with small-scale farmers to plant trees and try to help them to manage their resources in a more sustainable manner. And you decided to do this more officially at what point? A few years later? Yes, after uh, being in Peace Corps, I decided I wanted to just keep doing it. So I've worked with several organizations doing uh, tree planting. Yeah. And where do you do this primarily now? Well, we're working in Guatemala and also in El Salvador, where there's only 2% of the native forests left. Uh, we're also working in Honduras and Nicaragua. Do you work with the local governments, or how do you organize this work? No, this is all private. We work with uh, non-governmental groups down in Central America, and all our funding's also private. Mm-hmm. We work with groups who work right at the grassroots level with uh, community groups. So you go down there and you work with community to do this work. How do you get those people involved? How do you get the communities interested in doing this stuff? Well, actually, interestingly enough, they're actually seeking us out to help them save their forests and, and plant more trees. And you mentioned that you have different sources of funding. What are those sources of funding? How do you pay for all this stuff? Well, we have 
3,000 members uh, across the United States, private individuals who donate. Uh, also, private foundations fund our work and uh, rotary clubs as well. How many trees are we talking about in this time period? Well, we've planted over uh, 500,000 trees in the last three years in Central America. Wow. wow. <laughs> and on the other side of the equation, Helen also talked about these fuel-efficient stoves. What's that? Tell us about that. Well, even with all these trees uh, that we've been planting, I, I realized one day that there are still 10 times as many trees being cut as trees being planted by all the groups and go even governments. So we were looking for some way to cut down on fuel wood use. And uh, so we've actually developed a stove that uh, saves 50 to 70% on fuel wood compared to traditional cooking methods. Which is what, just an open fire or, you know? Well, yeah, it's, it's right in the house most of the time and produces a, a lot of toxic smoke, which cause health problems for uh, women and small children. Oh, really? So that's a big problem health-wise? Yeah, that's um, the exposure to wood smoke uh, leads to respiratory diseases that are the uh, number two killer of kids under five years old in both Honduras and Nicaragua. Wow. So that's the great side benefit. Yeah, you have the, both the fuel wood savings and the health savings. So it's a really so, good thing. So let me get this straight. You're helping preserve and replenish their forests, cutting down on their need for fuel wood. You're reducing respiratory ailments and, uh, I suspect, improving life expectancy for children. And uh, any idea how many people you've, uh, your work has impacted since you've been doing this the last three years? Yeah, well, we calculate that with the reforestation and the stoves and the watershed protection projects that we're doing that we're helping over uh, 40,000 people yeah. down in Central America. And you just, so just a good idea that's going well. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. congratulations, Stuart. Okay. Well, Stuart's our award winner this week. We've got a Framed Achievement Award certificate for you. And uh, really, it's just a, it's a great testament to what one person's efforts can do. Thank you. Congratulations, Stuart. <laughs> winner of this week's Achievement Award, Stuart Conway. Thanks to listener Tempra Board of uh, Denver, Colorado, who nominated our winner of the week. We'll get you a copy of the latest E-Town Live compilation, Tempra. Go into your house. Look for that in the mail shortly. For the folks at home, if you'd like more information about Stuart Conway and trees, water, and people, contact us. Or if you have an idea of someone you think deserves some recognition, send us their story. They may end up on the air. Get a hold of us here in E-Town on the net at info at etown.org or write to us the old-fashioned way at Box 9. Boulder, Colorado, 80306. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. The Achievement Award, good stuff. Uh, Mr. Leon Redbone is coming back up before too long to play some more songs from his latest CD or some other source that we don't know about. <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, Fleet Mall is going to be here also to tell us about his organization, Peacemakers. But first, I want to tell you about our next guest. Eliza Gilkson grew up around music. Her dad was a successful songwriter who wrote songs like Bare Necessities for Jungle Book and Marianne and Greenfields. But uh, she spent her time eventually in Texas and New Mexico writing and singing, recording over the last 25 years. And as far as I can tell, she keeps aiming higher and getting stronger as a writer and singer. She has a really good new uh, CD out called Hard Times in Babylon. Happy to have her with us this week. Please welcome back to E-Town from down in Austin, Texas, Red House recording artist, Eliza Gilkison. Thank you.
light a candle in your name Long past midnight memories bright in the freeze frame And I'm asking myself why I see you at the Funny little grin, driving those drums like a chariot. Well, did it hurt too much to try? Woody, you were my hero. A shoulder to cry on when I bottomed out at zero. And in the hour of the wolf, just before the dawn, hard times in Babylon. Okay, so you had to go, take a walk on a wild side down through the valley of the shadow, but it just don't seem like you. Hey, Woody, you could have called out There's not a man or a woman Gathered here tonight in the big house Wouldn't run to pull you through An incident so grievous Twenty years ago I thought this was a way that you
We're going to do, that's a title song from my latest CD, Hard Times in Babylon. It's a happy, perky little CD. <laughs> We're going to do another song off there that I, I wrote for guitar players all over the world. <laughs> I call it the beauty way, and, and uh, people in the Southwest know what that expression is, but for those who don't know, the beauty way is a Navajo expression for the, the path of life. It's a way to walk through this world, to see it as beautiful, to pray for it to be beautiful, to wish for beauty in all respects, in every way. It's not an easy path, but certainly one I think we all aspire to. <laughs> My father made a pretty damn good living Playing music on the beauty way He's gonna die with some money in his pocket Wish I could do the same today, little darling Wish I could do the same today Doe-eyed kid and a little transistor Tuned into Wolfman Jack up a guitar, heard the sirens whisper, and I never looked back, little darling, and I never looked back. I worked at clubs along the sanguinary crystals, polished the diamond in the rough. By the time I hit LA, I was hotter than a pistol, but you never hot enough. songs uh, feel really real to me. I don't know about you, but 
It works. That stuff is working. Well, I, I'm better at doing real than other things. <laughs> and you're maybe better at it than you used to be, even. <laughs> One would hope. <laughs> One hope, you know, you hope you don't devolve. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, Hard Times in Babylon is definitely a bunch of stuff you've gone through in the last couple of years. Yeah, and I'm finding as I tour this CD that a lot of people have gone through a bunch of stuff. It's kind of the nature. The older you get, you start to realize, hey, it's not always fun. And that darn it, I have to work on things. <laughs> I don't know whether, um, you know, my mother was a painter and a writer, and I have a couple of sisters who are also painters. And when my mother died, I know that my sisters felt not, you know, beyond their own emotional response. They felt a kind of permission to dig a little deeper as a painter in a way that they were, now that they were kind of on their own. And I don't know whether you have any kind of experience like that as a songwriter, losing your dad, who was also a songwriter. I definitely, you know, he, I always felt myself sitting at his feet. I mean, I, I, he wrote songs that were, you know, hit songs all over the world, and I've certainly never been able to accomplish that. <laughs> but um, it, it does change things when they pass on. And in, in a way, you almost feel like they're working from within as opposed to analyzing you from without, which is what parents often do. <laughs> I think sometimes he thought it was his role to critique my work. It was like, enough already. I'm 40 now. <laughs> you don't have to criticize it anymore. Just say, yeah, good work. <laughs> But, you know, that's the old parent paradigm. <laughs> parent dime. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you were just recently on a part of this great uh, compilation that was a kind of a 60th birthday present to Bob Dylan, a note to Bob. Is yeah. that what it was called? Yeah. That was wonderful, yeah. yeah. It was fun. It was a very, I loved that CD because I, I, you know, there's all these rock star versions of Dylan's songs, but this is very humble and a lot of folk-based artists who really cut their teeth on Dylan, and I, I love the sort of humble natures of it and the respect for Dylan, and uh, it was fun to be part of it. It's very hard to choose just one Dylan song, actually. Right. <laughs> Yeah. What did you choose? I chose Love Minus Zero, and actually oh. it was a process of elimination, but I had just toured Hard Times in Babylon, which is a, a pretty deep you know, record, and I thought, you know, I, I want to do something that's a little more lightweight, like lightweight Dylan. That's, that doesn't, you know... I want a, a less deep Dylan song, less dark. <laughs> so I chose Love Minus Zero, because it's such yeah. a beautiful, I think, a really happy portrait of somebody he loved. <laughs> And it's got a lot of attention. Your cut on that song, a lot of people talked about it. I sort of read these reviews that said that yours was a standout. Yes. So, you know, so good true. going. <laughs> Thanks. Well, anyway, I like the fact that you've been able to share all this stuff. And uh, really, I think this is a, a great combination of your efforts and skills and talents, this new album of yours, Hard Times in Babylon. So congratulations on Thanks. that. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah.
Thank you. Eliza Gilkerson, down in Austin, Texas. Latest CD out on Red House is called Hard Times in Babylon. Along with Ron Jolly, Christian Teal, Bob Underwood, Helen Forrester singing harmony. Eliza Gilkerson. We will be back with more conversation and music from this show from our 2001 season after a short break. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like KTAO, KTAUS in Taos, New Mexico, on WSKG in Binghamton, New York, and throughout that whole part of New York State, and on KNBA in Anchorage, Alaska. As always, if you'd like to learn more about E-Town or any of the things we're up to, there's lots of information online at etown.org. Right now, we're going to go back to the E-Town stage from our 2001 season for a very special conversation. As I mentioned before, Leon Redbone's coming right up. But before we get back to music, I want to introduce you to our next guest. Mr. Fleet Mall is here. Fleet spent 14 years in federal prison on drug charges. And he's Buddhist, a longtime student of Trungpa Rinpoche. Fleet eventually founded both the Prison Dharma Network and the National Prison Hospice Association. He's an ordained peacemaker priest in the Zen Peacemaker Order and is currently an adjunct faculty member at Naropa University. He is uh, on the national board of the Buddhist Peace Fellowship, an organization that's been working for social and economic justice for 25 years. He's also the U.S. Director of the Interfaith Peacemaker Community. Please welcome Mr. Fleet Maul. That is a pretty interesting pile of stuff I got just, just got to read about you. <laughs> you are a guy who has had to stay connected and keep cool in some pretty adverse situations. Yeah, um, prison's a pretty angry place. There's a lot of anger and suffering going around in our world right now. And prison's really just kind of a, a very intense microcosm of the greater world. And, uh, but that's kind of the day-to-day life in prison. You just live with a lot of rage and anger and... Uh, Try to learn how to deal with that. Yeah, and it comes out all the time. The rage and the anger comes out, you know, when you're eating a meal or watching TV. Or yeah, it's in your face all the time. It's really crowded in prison. So on top of the fact that everybody in there is pretty pissed off about being there, generally the culture, both the the guards and the inmates, is just really aggressive. So you just have to really watch yourself and try and find ways to uh, find people's uh, kind of more human buttons to push those rather than their rage. Yeah. Now, for you, you also, I mean, obviously, you're trying to maintain a, a spiritual life in that kind of environment. Yeah, um, I was really lucky that uh, I had kind of a strange life that I ended up having a lot of spiritual training before I went to prison. I was kind of caught up in the 
whole drug, sex, rock and roll thing of the 60s, but was also a seeker. Before I could get rid of the one, I ended up in prison, but uh, I got there with a lot of tools, so I was able to turn it into a path for myself. I suspect that it's also true that in order to survive an experience like that, you can't just be passive. You can't really be weak. You can't walk around being weak in prison. You just make yourself a target. And if you walk around being kind of belligerent, you make yourself a target too. So you have to find some kind of middle ground that doesn't attract aggression. And also, for me, it was about being really engaged in that world, making it my community and, and being really active there. Yeah. Well, are there any situations you can think of that were particularly trying or tested your resolve in those kinds of situations? Yeah, well, there were quite a few, but uh, the job I had for 14 years, my regular day job there was uh, teaching school. And to do anything in a classroom, you have to exercise some control over the classroom. And in prison, there's a real culture about among the prisoners or the inmates about all being at the same level. And anybody that kind of rises even a little bit above that, you can invite a lot of aggression. And so a lot of guys at teach school, they just kind of go hide in the corner and they say, you guys do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I won't bother you. Because they, they don't want to make themselves elevated. Anymore. That's right. And they're not looking for trouble. But, you know, I was there for 14 years. This was my life, and I wanted to do something in there. And so uh, what I learned was that actually with each student as they came in, I had to go through a very slow process of making friends with them. And then uh, I could learn where I could kind of push them and work with them and try to get them interested in doing something with their lives. But you really had to make friends with them first or you could end up with a lot of aggression. And I learned that the hard way. I had a few guys blow up in my face and and you kind of learn how to uh, provide a space in which people can spin out with a lot of aggression and not feel it too much or you end up in a lot of trouble. And so now you're trying to take some of what you learned in those years in prison and take those into the outside world. Yeah. Um, we live in a world where there's just a tremendous amount of suffering and anger, and sometimes here in our country where we, we have a really good life for the most part, a lot of us, not everybody, but a, a good portion of us have a really good life, and sometimes we're not that aware of the amount of suffering and anger that's out there in the world, and uh, a lot of the activism that happens comes out of anger, but generally, if it comes from that place alone, it just kind of produces a ripple effect that creates more suffering and more anger, so... So I've learned to try to uh, find ways to uh, create a space in which uh, you can invite all the voices in and not get polarized to one particular view or kind of an adversarial approach of thinking, I'm right, I know what the answer is, you guys are wrong, you're causing the trouble, I'm going to bring the peace or something like that. But really just create a space in which everybody can come in and, and express who they are and what they are. And in that space, maybe you can find some healing. And so it's really about, I think, real peace and healing is about being able to see ourselves in the other and see the other in ourselves. And I think that's the only path where you could actually come together eventually. Yeah. You know, I don't think we can avoid the dark side. Um, it takes a lot of presence and a lot of heart to be able to go there and bring something transformative out of it. But to the extent that we try to avoid it, we just create this kind of shadow that comes back and begins to control our lives and uh, begins to take over the world with all kinds of aggression and violence. Well, it's, uh, it's valuable work, and it's bizarre the way you kind of came to this set of skills and this particular route that you've uh, almost chosen. You kind of chose some of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, go figure. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, good luck, and uh, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for sharing with us, because I think it's really uh, it's timely, and it's, uh, it's tough. Yeah, yeah, it's hard out there, and we need people to be willing to open their hearts to whatever's going on, the joy and the suffering. Fleet, thanks for being here. Thanks a lot, Nick. Mr. Fleet Mall. But with that, we are going to get back to music. Please welcome back to E-Town one of my longtime favorites, Mr. Leon Redbone. Yeah. 
foot. friend and companion over the years. Right, Rover? Yeah. Sit down. Oh. Look what she said, Rover. Huh? Come up here, say hello one time.
slave Give a blow to the trumpet, let me rise from my grave With some of your good jelly Good to my worry show Oh, it's good to my worry show There's a man down a shot full of holes Nursed up the diamond and get some good jelly roll Get to have my jelly Good to my worry show Oh Good to my worry show Let me put in my order for two weeks ahead Jelly, you got better in my home cook bread I'm crazy about that jelly Good to my worry show Mr. Leon Redbone. His latest CD is called Anytime. <laughs> Here's a song that we, we mentioned before that uh, Eliza's dad had been a songwriter. This is one of his more popular numbers. I want to thank everybody for being on the show this week. Of course, Eliza Gilkison. Down in Austin, Texas, Mr. Leon Redbone. Our award winner, Mr. Stuart Conway from Trees, Water, and People. Mr. Fleet Mall, from Peacemaker Organization. Thank you, Fleet. Of course, uh, the E-Tones, Helen Forster. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town. Forget about your worries and your strife. 
This is a production of E-Town. Well, Leon Redbone was such a character. There's nobody like him. There never was, really, but we sure miss him. Liza Gilkison is still recording and making records from her home in New Mexico. Thanks to Fleet Mall, thanks to Stuart Conway, our award winner. I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening.